Hey freaks, this is Matt here. We just recorded RHR. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Unchained Capital. Um, our good friends at Unchained Capital help you have a multi-sig vault where they control a single key in the quorum and you control two keys. So you never lose control of your Bitcoin, but they will help you um, use financial services with your Bitcoin. Marty, do you want to to continue on this on this thread? Yeah, so on top of that, uh, if you have your Bitcoin in a vault, you're also going to get access to their uh, Bitcoin lending services. You don't need to be in a vault to get these services, but if you are in a vault, you're going to get them as well. And if you're not, you can get them anyway. All right, their vault uh, services can help you with multi-sig and then their uh, lending service is going to help you not sell your Bitcoin. Friends don't let their friends sell Bitcoin. All right. What you do is you uh, engage, uh, you put Bitcoin up as collateral and you get liquidity right away. It's tax beneficial. Uh, you're going to be able to get liquidity and you're not going to have to sell your Bitcoin right away. Uh, hopefully you don't have to sell your Bitcoin at all. Eventually you're able to pay back those loans. On top of that, they're doing a bunch of stuff in the open source world. The multi quorum we were describing earlier uh, can be created uh outside of Unchained using their Caravan desktop app, all right? They've open-sourced how they're creating these multi-sigs because they just love the community. On top of that, uh, they've got Gradually Then Suddenly, which is an incredible blog series from our good friend Parker Lewis, who's just basically red-pilling everybody, excuse me, orange-pilling everybody, one blog post at a time. Bullish as fuck. They've got Slip39, Hermit as well. They're really giving back to the community as they're building out these Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, financial services for Bitcoiners. All right, go to www.unchained-capital.com. All right, www.unchained-capital.com. And uh, got to give a shout out to our other sponsor, the Cash App, the fuck us. All right, you know all about them. And if you don't, let me tell you about them. They're going to let you do many things on this app. I use this app every day. Uh, whether it be using their boost program, I have my personalized debit card with my signature on it. When I go to Whole Foods, I click that Whole Foods boost when it's available. It's been available a lot lately. I've been saving 10%. Couple that um, with the $1 off coffee, and they've got AMC rewards now too. You're saving money wherever you go. If you like go to the movies, you go to the store, you go to the coffee shop, Cash App boost program is helping you save money there. On top of that, they're letting you stack sats. All right, You can buy, sell, send, receive Bitcoin on the app as well. Okay? Uh, and then they just introduced Cash App Investing. If you want to stack slivers of stonks, you can do that as well. If your favorite stock's a little too expensive and you just want a little piece, Cash App Investing is letting you invest as little as $1 in that stonk, if you so please. You don't have to stack stonks. It's available there with the boost program and stacking sets. <sighs> Cash App Investing is a subsidiary of Square and member SIPC. Remember, you don't have to wait four to five days days for uh, your money to get on the app. You can start investing today, whether it be sats, uh, stonks, or just using the boost program. Use the code stacking sats. That's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10 and Cash App's going to be so kind to send $10 at our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. Fuck stonks, stack sats. Enjoy this app. Hey there, freaks. It's your boys, Marty and Matt. We're back for Rabbit Hole Recap. Big oh, week. Oh, shit. We're live? We're live, dude. I just ninja launched you there. Um, before we get into the topics, Matt is taking a sip of a delicious uh, whiskey that was sent to us by a listener, a Mitcher's single barrel. Is it Michter's? Mitcher's. Mickers? Mickter's? Mickter's, maybe? Well, the freaks will let us know. I think it's Mickter's. 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 Uh, by a... And at Captain Hadicole uh, on Twitter. It's the best bottle we've ever received. Yeah. 
Marty told me that 1 p.m. was too early to drink, but I insisted, so I am currently sipping on yeah, I took some a, delicious bourbon. I took a sip. I taste tested it, but I will not be uh, drinking more than a sip this afternoon. Uh, shout out to Captain Hadacol. Captain H-A-D-A-C-O-L on Twitter. Thank you for this incredible gift. I appreciate you, dude. This is fucking delicious. Appreciate all of you. You don't have to send us whiskey for us to appreciate you if you're here listening. Just know that we appreciate you, too. Yeah, but I might appreciate you a little bit more if you send us a bottle like this. <laughs> um, big week. Big week. Um, let's jump into, let's check Clark Moody's dashboard, too. Before we get into this, he added some stuff this week. I forget exactly what. Current price is $10,222. Um, Block height is currently 617,238. Getting closer, freaks. 22,762 blocks away from the halving. That was good math. You can check it. Clark actually provides that number for us, right? So you don't have oh. to be crazy. Oh, where is it? You don't have to rely on your math. Let me find it. Let me find it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, 12,762. There you go. No more on-the-fly math necessary. Not, not necessary. Um, Shout-out to Clark. Keeps, uh, keeps adding to this every week. Um, we're mining Epoch 3. We'll be mining Epoch 4 uh, very soon. The estimate on the dashboard is May 9th, 2020. Um, I saw like an estimate for late April at one point a couple weeks ago. Um, but it seems to be early May now. It keeps moving up, right? Because yeah, the because, difficulty keeps adjusting up. Well, it's not the difficulty; it's more the hash rate is four. Yeah, that's four. Well, the hash rate goes up, and then the forces. difficulty goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But between difficulties, the hash rate's increasing. Right. Uh, such that uh, blocks are coming in a little quicker than ten minutes. So it's been constantly moving forward. Well, the basically, blo- the block time this period during this difficulty adjustment is actually ten minutes and ten seconds, so a little higher than usual. Oh, so now it's moving back. Look at this dashboard. We just have all this information at our fingertips. Bitcoin.clarkmoody.com slash dashboard. Check it out. Go check it out. Um, um, What's our tour percentage? Tour percentage. On Lightning. Um, uh, it's a top node. On Lightning, it is, tour nodes are 39.6%. Creeping towards 40%. See, it wasn't that, uh, that was my, what, like three weeks ago, I was like, let's get it over 40%. You got to have achievable goals. Almost there. Almost there. I think we were at like 38.6 last week. Let's do it, guys. Um, yeah, big, big, loud week uh, from the government, particularly. A lot of agencies. So we got a lot of stuff to talk um, about in pertaining to the U.S. government, particularly. Uh, posturing towards Bitcoin and virtual currencies. Uh, you want to start with the Steve Munchin Butts, um, the IRS, CFTC. I think let's let's first just jump right into the drop it CEO getting arrested. Okay, yeah. So that news, uh, it went. Pu- I mean, I think it went public earlier this week. Uh, if you were like scouring uh, indictments, but I may, I think the Bitcoin and Twitter community was made aware. Last night, when uh, Peter McCormick tweeted uh, that the founder of Dropit, which owns a parent company, Coin Ninja, I believe, was arrested uh, for uh, charges 
relating to a centralized mixer helix.com is that what it was called i think it's but first of all i think it's the opposite right i think coin ninja is the parent company of Dropbit? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, um, yeah, he. So he wasn't arrested for running Dropbit, which is a a hybrid Bitcoin wallet, mobile wallet, where it has on chain, uh, it has a non custodial on chain wallet, and then it has a custodial Lightning wallet. He apparently didn't get arrested for that. He got arrested for allegedly running a centralized mixing service called Helix. And he had a dark market search engine called Grams. And I think he shut both of them down in 2017. Yes. Um, so if you read the indictment, uh, who arrested him? The FBI? I think the FBI arrested him. Uh, they're saying that uh, the Helix mixer was being used by criminals on Alpha Bay who were looking to, quote unquote, uh, get clean co- coins. Again, and this comes back to the verbiage of the marketing of of Helix and the nature of centralized mixing services like that. So um, he uh, was arrested uh, particularly for enabling the dark, uh, dark net market users uh, to mix their, their coins after, uh, after acquiring them on dark net markets. Right. So Alpha Bay was one of the leading dark markets at the time. Um, the indictment alleges that he had some kind of partnership with them. We're not sure what that is, whether that was an advertisement that he had on Alpha Bay or if it went farther than that. Um, so Helix was a centralized mixer, which is we've seen a lot of those in the past with Bitcoin. They had like BitMixer, Bitcoin Fog, Best Mixer, which got shut down. So this is it's there's some nuance here comparing it to um the current Charmy and CoinJoin implementations that we have, these uh, like Wasabi and Whirlpool, um, because those aren't custodial. This is a very simple custodial mixer where basically a user sends Bitcoin into the mixer and then uh, the, mixing, the mixer operator sends them different Bitcoin um, and takes custody in between there. Um, so it's Hopefully, it doesn't set a precedent for non-custodial options. I mean, it shouldn't. They're different. But don't Um, be surprised if it does. Yeah, you never really know. Um, And then, as you said, the verbiage is important um, in how these services get marketed. Um, I never used Helix, but some some people showed screenshots. I'm not, you know, I wasn't able to uh, verify whether those screenshots were correct. But a lot of the verbiage on the website was about, you know, send your dirty coins, receive your clean coins. Um, who knows if there was advertisements and stuff, uh, with similar verbiage, uh, like wording, uh, when you see someone like Wasabi has gone in the exact opposite way and has gotten a lot of shit for it. Uh, because like, if you read their terms of service, it says, you know, you can't use it for any illegal uses, all this stuff. Um, it, that is purely a privacy tool. And I think that was probably part of the reason why, you know, they don't say that, but I think it was part of the reason why they hung on to that fixed fee address for such a long time is that they were trying to, um, you know, whether that's an effective strategy or not, they're trying to approach it as a compliant privacy tool, uh, you know, that pays all its taxes and reports everything that it does. Yeah. It's this weird, weird gray area we find ourselves in. And I think that's like the theme of the week of all these, uh, announcements or news coming out from government agencies across the board is that there's just so much confusion around the definition of what these things are, how we can use them and how we can most importantly use them correctly to 
to preserve privacy. Um, so that's the, the big thing I've taken out of this week is that I, I don't know if the confusion's on purpose or the lack of consistency across, uh, agencies and, uh, different sectors of the government. But, um, it's, there's, it's hard to be a Bitcoiner and, and, uh, actually know how you can actually use this without getting in trouble right now. It's probably a little of both. Um, you know, malice plus incompetence. Uh, we've seen governments criminalize privacy has been an ongoing phenomenon um, for basically our whole lifetimes. And it, and it's keeps, it keeps increasing and it keeps um, escalating. Yeah, even outside of the States, uh, Roy Sebag, Sebag, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from Gold Money and Mene, uh, he hopped on Twitter last week and basically said, hey, I just want to let my customers know that the Canadian government is, is, uh, forcing arduous and draconian AML KYC compliance on me and, and forcing me to shut down. And he uh, did like a minority report. He like called it pre-crime, right? Yeah. Where he's like supposed to like guess the motives of his users. Yeah. And that's mostly gold users. Uh, many accepts Bitcoin. I think gold money does as well, but, uh, it's, it's majorly a gold platform, uh, to buy and sell gold. Uh, and, and at the same time, while they have a lot of this vagueness, um, they're, they are actively going after people and trying to set precedent here. Like they're throwing the book at this guy. It's, I mean, they're going for 30 years, I think. Took all Um, this property. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's worth it to keep in mind that they, all of these, you know, unverified, whatever, but it's allegedly like they mixed a lot of coins too did you see the number it was, it was like 300 million or something like at that, right? current at that valuation then right mm-hmm. now it's now it's like over a billion dollars worth was mixed well if he was doing it like december 2017 it could inflate that number as well could be yeah around there um but no and it, yeah so that's one instance and let's be clear here like that uh helix the way it market itself was very dumb and that's not how you should set up a mixing service like centralized mixing services uh are achilles heels and are uh subject to getting shut down pretty easily they're centralized services that's why Ch- chami and coin joins uh where users uh sign the transactions for the inputs and the outputs um yeah, wasabi and whirlpool yeah makes makes a lot more sense and and uh gives you better ability to uh, argue that you were simply looking for privacy uh, and weren't doing anything nefarious before that. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've already seen regulators crack down on custodians as money transmitters, right? Um, so it, it does follow that it makes sense that they would crack down on custodians that are also facilitating privacy. That's even, you know, more egregious to, to regulators. Uh, so, you know, hopefully... You know, hopefully regulators understand the nuance there between custodial and non-custodial, right? But who's, you know, uh, you know, you can't bank on regulators doing that, right? No. Um, and let's move to picking up, picking on the IRS. So the IRS this week is confusing the hell out of people. They're, um, they have, they've changed their guidelines at least three times since the beginning of the year. Uh, in regards to um, the definition of a virtual currency and how it should be reported uh, on your taxes this year, and we reported in, the, uh, in a couple episodes, a few episodes ago, that uh, 
the IRS here in the States is making it mandatory to uh, basically check a box that says whether or not you have received, bought, uh, transacted in crypto or excuse me, virtual currencies. Um, and since that box has been added to the 10, 1044 form, I believe, um, a lot of people are have been scrambling to uh, figure out what the definition of a virtual currency is. And um, uh, the IRS has been changing the definition the first three, two months of the year. So uh, earlier this week, the definition included of virtual currencies included any virtual currency that's not legal tender, including cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, uh, but also uh, virtual currencies like V-Bucks. And what's the other one? Rollbox? Roblox. Roblox. Uh, they uh, use them as examples. Yeah, use them as examples, but it seems um, that they're trying to basically tax any money outside the U.S. dollar that people are accruing. Um, but like, how do V-Bucks work? Aren't they like stable coins as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a centralized token on... <coughs> on the Fortnite platform, uh, you can't even, you, I, I guess you can, you can trade them through their platform. You can like put in an email address to gift V bucks to someone. Um, it's, it's worth mentioning here that, you know, they haven't actually, this isn't them necessarily taxing V bucks. They just, it's a box that just, you, you're supposed to check if you've sent, received, held, used, any virtual currency it's like the it's the step before they start saying you know next year maybe the year after that then they start going after people and say disclose addresses disclose holdings disclose all these things yeah um but this is this is merely um and it is you know a privacy transgression in general and it's a fishing expedition but they, they it's specifically a disclosure if you've if you've touched it right yes and and also the other thing is those what they've changed online isn't the official guidelines. It's like that's not what you're supposed to officially go by what they changed. That's like an extra context thing. That's what I saw on Twitter today from some lawyer. But it's so fucked, man. They've been changing the definition of this throughout the years. The, at one, uh, there was a thread a few weeks ago uh, when the box became apparent to everybody and Jeff Vandrew, uh, who's... Uh, obviously, he's an accountant has had to do taxes for people, uh, particularly people who have uh, bought or invested in, speculated on cryptocurrencies. And the definition uh, uh, last year, or the year before, I believe, I forget which year it was, but uh, it like excluded any cryptocurrency that was uh, regarded as legal tender in any country. So I popped in there. I was like, Oh, Bitcoin's legal tender in Japan. Like, is that like a loophole in this, in this definition? They changed it after that. Uh, and so now, uh, the, the guidelines say if it's not legal tender in the U S uh, you have to have to check the box. I think basically the plan is to keep it as vague as possible so they can enforce it, you know, indiscriminately whenever they want. Um, that's usually the MO here especially in like early industries stuff like you know with with bitcoin is and you know you, you gotta yeah i we're not tax attorneys we're not lawyers or anything but yeah uh, we can't give you any advice here but there consult is, your accountant consult your accountant and there is apparently we, can, we haven't verified whether this is a legit um document or not but there is a document floating around reddit of somebody who claims to be uh uh, under an audit of the IRS. Uh, it might be photoshopped, but regardless, I think this is what people should expect to see. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's, uh, should be a wake up call for people, whether or not it's fake. Yeah.
Uh, Did you see what they asked for? Like they wanted full addresses. Full addresses. Like everything. They wanted everything. And then at the end they were like, this may not even be all the information. It's not an exhaustive list. Give us more if you have it. Yeah. Yeah. We may ask for more in the future. So definitely check that out. Breaking news here on Tales from the Crypt. I just ripped my pants. My balls are hanging out. It got too hot for him. Um, One other thing, I just want to jump back to drop it real quick. If you are using drop it, the... The on-chain portion of the wallet is non-custodial, so funds shouldn't be at risk, but you should probably transfer them out anyway, just to be sure to transfer them to a new wallet. The Lightning side is custodial, and those funds can be at risk uh, if for some reason drop-it assets are seized as part of this process. Um, so you should there's like a withdraw to on-chain wallet from Lightning, withdraw from Lightning button, click that button, withdraw it to the regular on-chain wallet, and remove your funds as soon as possible. Yes. Uh, not your keys, not your coins. Um, the next uh, encroachment of the government is something I talked about in the uh, bent today. Again, we don't know exactly what's going to come out of it. I felt uh, uh, compelled to just get ahead of it, maybe overreact to the the headline, but because uh, I think it's important for people to speak up. Steve Mnuchin, I don't know how to say his name. I'll get made fun of for it. I think it's Mnuchin. Uh, all right, maybe I got it right. I wrote munching butts in the newsletter. Um, <laughs> he basically came out and said the Trump administration is going to create new guidelines for cryptocurrencies uh, in an attempt to uh, prevent illicit activity and money laundering. Um, so we don't know exactly what these guidelines are, what they're going to target yet, but it seems that it, at least the concept of cryptocurrencies is on on the mind of the trump administration and i believe trump has actually allocated a portion of his secret service budget this year to uh enforce these these new guidelines that will be coming out yeah so both that came out this week separately uh the budget specifically mentions uh cryptocurrency regulation further cryptocurrency regulation and enforcement uh specifically uh relating to the secret service um being in charge of it rather than the treasury department um and then at the same time mnuchin had a speech where he mentioned this fincen regulation uh there's no like actual official release of that um but he did use i don't know if the freaks remember he gave a speech maybe six months ago or five months ago um where he was saying that bitcoin and cryptocurrencies were being used for illicit use that's when he did that interview um, on CNBC. He, yeah, where he said that like fiat is never, US dollars is never used for illegal purposes. Um, and he's, he's parroting these same lines that we see um, in terms of saying that Bitcoin is used for money laundering, that it's used uh, by terrorists and by criminals. Um, and it's a way to, you know, paint it into a corner so that they can easier, it's easier for them to enforce these types of regulations. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder that it has been proven that Bitcoin uh, is not being used as much as people like to think it is for these types of activities. It certainly is in some instances, but it seems that the the biggest use case, whether you like it or not right now, is speculation and a savings vehicle. We see this with pretty much every privacy and sovereignty technology. Governments will quickly paint it as a criminal use, even though the overwhelming majority, 99.9% of users are law-abiding users, um, and it's it's bad for the users and it's bad for their citizens at the end of the day. Yeah, and just think about this in, in the context of where we are at this juncture in history. Like they, 
they bitcoin is an affront to their ability to control the money supply and control the flow of the money importantly if you're using it in a closed loop type way and they're gonna fight back and this is the i mean slowly but surely they've been um they've been encroaching on this but it seems like it's starting to heat up their their uh, attention on this space and always remember like financial privacy is okay we we need liberty in the digital age and it's something that we need to fight for and i uh, me personally um, i'll just speak for myself like i think bitcoin is imperative for uh, preserving liberty in the digital age if we don't have bitcoin uh, or something like it and i think bitcoin's probably our only shot um, we are doomed to live in a digital panopticon i'd like to give a shout out to alex gladstein who wrote a post uh basically working through the theoretical situation of a world without Bitcoin and you're in the year 2030 and it's financial surveillance is everywhere and we're all living um, in this panopticon, which we already are kind of living in, but it's just been escalating and getting worse and getting worse. And it's just a really good thought piece that everyone should check out. Yeah. Um, I believe he he read that for the Un- Unchained podcast too. Right. He wrote it and then read it on the podcast. Yes. Um, so go check that out. Uh, we're not done with the government encroachment yet. The CFTC, this is actually brought to my attention right before we hit record um, by uh, Misha Gutentag on on Twitter. Uh, earlier this week, the CFTC, um, basically, the CFTC uh, announced that they are um, they're, uh, filing a civil enforcement action here in New York State against uh, an LLC called Q3 Holdings LLC uh, for uh, for raising money under the guise of uh, trading it as a crypto hedge fund and then using the funds for something else. So that's why they're um, they're going after them in, a, in enforcement. Uh, they're going they're excuse me. They are uh, putting an enforcement action against them. Uh, but if you go and read the um, indictment. Uh, bullet point number 46 uh, states that virtual currencies uh, are encompassed in the definition of commodity under uh, section 1A9 of Act 7 USC 1A9 2018. So again, uh, going back to the theme of confusion between uh, agencies in the U.S. particularly, uh, if virtual currencies are to be defined the way the IRS is defining it, this means that stuff like V-Bucks and, and Rollbox is, are, are virtual or commodities as well, excuse me. Yeah, so everyone who uses those should also check the box. Yes. Um, I, uh, yeah, so they're trying to set a precedent here, I guess, right? It seems. Um, I mean, the CFTC... Many precedents, has, many precedents. CFTC has always been Bitcoin's a commodity, right? That's how they get to... Because they're the commodities regulator, right? Yeah, but then so, IRS says it's property. Right, because they're the property taxer uh so all the agencies wanted to be under their their guys yeah. what the fuck is going on though they're like, hitting it from all the different angles are, as individuals are we allowed to are we allowed to to plead like confusion like what is it like how do you so. how I do you not have succinct definitions across agencies that's I think bullshit you have to make at least a best attempt you know you have to make a best attempt here how do you make um, a best attempt like, you know hopefully judges will realize what a best attempt is right yeah 
hopefully people don't have to go in front of judge. That's yeah. the whole thing. No, like, I agree. All this you know, confusion I agree. leads um, to like, like, and w- are, do we even leave, live in a free country anymore? I think it's important. It's really important to be clear here that even if you live under the false assumption that you have nothing to hide and that you completely trust the U S government, um, I disagree with you, but that's fine. If if you operate under that assumption, you know, we found out this week, I have it later on the list, but we might as well bring it up now, that the U.S. government is, is saying that the Chinese allegedly were the ones behind hacking Equifax, that it was a state-sponsored hack. Um, if, if the U.S. government can't keep our private information safe and we can't be private from the U.S. government, then we're basically saying that all of our citizens, that all Americans are, it's completely fine that all of our Bitcoin transactions are going to be tracked and traced by the Chinese. Um, when you submit all these KYC documents and stuff like that, you should just operate under the assumption that the Chinese are eventually going to hack these these institutions. I mean, Equifax had information on every single adult American, all of our personal information, and now and the Chinese were able to hack that. So... Um, you, yeah, we can't have backdoors. If we have these backdoors, if we have these databases of private information, then other nations, other malicious actors will be able to take those, and and it's a, it's a threat to all of us. Yeah, and it's it's fucking bullshit. Like, and that's why. Uh, again, like this morning's bent may have been a bit of an overreaction because we don't know exactly what FinCEN, the FinCEN guidelines are going to be, but. We need more people to speak up. Like this is not acceptable. Like, are we the land of the free anymore? Like, this is this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, and then actually, I had Lee Quinn on from CoinDesk yesterday, and we got on this this co- this topic as well. Like, a lot of people like to talk about dystopian futures, and history is written in retrospect. Like, we may already be living in the dystopian world, and we won't fully recognize it until decades from now that that we, we we are already in the panopticon and if we are like do you want to live in it and how 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 can we get out of it and again i think technologies like bitcoin are, are imperative for preserving that liberty um, which is being encroached upon every fucking day i mean look i love this country but we're clearly sliding in the wrong direction and i i it's very much make or break it's very much make or break and people need to uh Speak up and stand up for your rights. Yeah. Um, so that was our almost half an hour spiel on the. Oh, on the on the bright side, if the U.S. Marshals hadn't sold all the Bitcoin they seized, it would be over one point eight billion dollars right now. So we got that's the bright side. Yeah. So the U.S. Marshals, they've uh, all the Bitcoin they've confiscated either from darknet markets or other uh, operations they've taken down. They've done. Uh, they've done. Uh, auctions throughout the years most famously i believe tim draper bought like when he buy thirty thousand bitcoin at three hundred dollars or something like that best trade ever yeah from the silk road auction yeah um and so they had another auction in january this year they sold four thousand bitcoin i believe yeah so they seized in total they've seized one hundred and eighty-five thousand bitcoin that's a lot of fucking sats um and they've they've only made 151 million from those auctions because they pretty much auction it immediately following as, as soon as possible after they seize it. Um, and the current USD value is almost $1.9 billion. So they missed out on about $1.8 billion. Worth talk, of gains. talk about government incompetence. Yeah. They can't even trade. 
Yeah, and it's not, it's not even like they they had to buy those funds. They seized those funds. Yeah, yeah. They could have hold, they could have hodled them. Like if you were talking about like geopolitical game theory, they should have at least a little stash of those those confiscated funds for themselves, just in case. Talk about the debt crisis. If they were just hodling one hundred eighty five thousand Bitcoin, that would go a long way. Right. Uh, yeah, the debt's getting worse. None of this is getting better. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that 30000 that they sold to Tim Draper was $18.7 million. Holy shit. 30000 Bitcoin. Um, yeah, and while we're still on the topic of this stuff, too, like if FinCEN, if today's bent wasn't an overreaction um, and they are going to release uh, more stringent guidelines, uh, these guidelines are probably going to be um, enforced at the exchange level. So um, just be aware, like even Cash App, if they if they are forced to um, uh, operate under new guidelines, like uh, just think about how much money you have on that app or any other exchange, and seriously think about uh, your um, taking your your sats into your own possession and and self custodying them. Yeah, I mean, you should keep funds held held on custodial services, whether that's an exchange or whether that's a wallet, to an absolute minimum. Uh, they could be blocked off from you without notice. You should just be constantly withdrawing if you do use a custodial service. Um, and, and this is one of the things that I've always operated. I, I've operated under the assumption this whole time that I wasn't going to be able to buy Bitcoin. Uh, or at least take self-custody of my Bitcoin in the future. And I'm just trying to accumulate as much as possible for that point, um, which is also one of the reasons why I drown out the short-term noise uh, in terms of like trading and whatnot, because I think it's a, a more of a long-term game and you're just trying to get as much Bitcoin before they, they close the spigots. Um, but yeah, th- like that could happen. that could happen at any time. So people should just always be aware of that. And then the other thing is, um, if you don't coin join after you pull from these services, um, if it, if we do hit this point where they end up criminalizing coin join, saying it's illegal to use coin join, uh, saying uh, you have to disclose all of your addresses, then the overwhelming majority of people are going to have to comply with this stuff um, because they will know your addresses. If they see stuff move, they will know your addresses. Um, they'll know all your past and future transactions if you don't use CoinJoin. And because of timing analysis, like this is something that you have to do ahead of time because if you try and move large amounts of Bitcoin through these services, it's it's relatively easy to then to base it off of timing. You know, you see, you see five Bitcoin move through a service, you see five Bitcoin leave, uh, and and you're able to make some conclusions. So it needs to be done over time, and you need to be prepared because if you're not prepared. Um, you're fucked. Yeah. And then on top of that, also take into consideration uh, exchange limits with moving that stuff off yes. as the price is going up. So you could think that you'll be able to move all your Bitcoin off at once at one point. But if the price jumps up uh, unexpectedly, which has, tends to happen every once in a while, uh, you could find that you're only able to move a portion of your money off. So to keep that in mind as well. And I know that Cash App is working on increasing those limits freaks. So, um patience and again yeah they don't they don't like the limits as much as you don't no they wish there was no limits yeah um all right let's get on to some rosier news yeah let's get excited i i was i'm super bullish this week did you see the cnbc fucking clip <laughs> yes I did. are we are i we, didn't retweet your tweet because i retweeted american hodls but i thought yours was good are we not 
I was I've been trying to stay humble, man. I've been trying to stay humble. I we've been counter trading CNBC for the longest time and CNBC's bullish. That's usually a time that the price is gonna go down. Well, I don't trade, but just like mentally counter trading. But I don't think we've ever really seen CNBC like a panelist panel of CNBC people be that woke that we saw on that like they Got some it. of those quotes that were in that that fucking clip were the most bullish thing ever. We've never seen them. Uh, they get the value prop. That was that was something. It's like in a world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin will be the victor. You know, they said safe haven. They called it a safe haven asset. No, that was a uh, that was Guy Adami who said that particularly uh, about in the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is a safe haven. He actually came out a few weeks earlier, and I hopped in his men. She's like, "Let's go, boy." Because uh, he said, like, you know, we're going to look back in history and the Federal Reserve and their actions are going to be, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, they're going to be looked at as some of the most evil things that ever existed on this earth. Yeah, I, I, that was the most bullish fucking CNBC clip I've ever seen. I think we can. Uh, the most bullish mainstream media clip I've ever fucking seen. Absolutely insane. I don't, we, I am always bullish. You freaks know that, but this next cycle is gonna like absolutely knock our fucking socks off. Like it's gonna be insane. I don't even unfathomable. I don't think we can really truly fathom what let's, we're about to witness here. Let's not get too. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I'm super bullish. You don't think this government action can throw water on this? I think the government action is a response to how bullish the fundamentals are. <laughs> you know, right? Um. I mean, individual Bitcoiners could still get fucked and the price could pump, right? We could be cut off from self-custody. They could be forcing disclosures. They could be selectively enforcing people lying about the disclosures, throwing big precedents at people, you know, big cases. And Bitcoin could still be pumping, right? Yeah. I think we could take solace in the fact that Brian Kelly wasn't on that panel. He's usually like the number one uh, indicator or yeah, contraindicator. Ripple at the top. Shilling Ripple shilling like not shilling ripple telling people how to buy ripple step by step like how <laughs> to transfer binance no i'm Pol- poloniacs and then uh and, and then litecoin as well he shilled that at the top as charlie uh, lee was dumping on all of us or anybody who had litecoin um, um wasn't dumping on me <laughs> uh that clip was so good that clip is worthy of like a cold open just play it at the beginning of the podcast that was crazy all right this is what we can segue into you don't have it on the list either but um brendan's fire thread this week i I think how long has he been going off of twitter i think like six months at least we're fortunate enough to have him in telegram but he came out of a out of nowhere uh, and dropped a thread uh basically explaining the demographic tectonic shift that we're running into here in the United States, particularly like we have all the boomers retiring, uh, entering retirement, uh, and they've been passively investing in stocks and bonds for the last few decades. And they're gonna have to pull that money out to, uh, finance their retirement. And that is going to cause a huge void in these markets. And the fed is going to have to step in and print insane amounts of money as the participation rate in the economy falls because uh, as these boomers retire uh, it's a, again it's a demo they've been a demographic tailwind for quite a while now and population growth has not been uh, has been falling uh, as uh, they've been accumulating wealth and passively for the last few decades so as they start to retire and pull that money 
out of the stock markets and the bond markets, there simply aren't enough people to uh, fill that void that's going to be created. And we haven't, we haven't been fucking enough. There hasn't been enough fucking? No. Bitcoin is fuck a lot. Yeah. Or at least like baby making. Yeah. A lot of baby making. Baby making on this podcast. Or that's weird. Never mind. There's no baby making on the podcast. No. Ind- individuals that participate in the podcast have been baby making. Yes. Now. Yes. That's true. Um, but no. So this demographic uh, shift in the workforce <laughs> is about to slap us in the face and so the fed is going to be for i mean and that's uh, you see trump tweeting about the stock market all the time like it is brendan mentioned it in his thread it is a uh uh an issue of national security now well, did you see well first of all love brendan he's a friend a uh, very good friend of both of ours um he always gets me bullish he like has a special place in my heart like next to parker him and parker are like um i read their shit i watch their presentations and i just get really bullish um and i i would what did crypto bobby said uh in my menchies under under the cnbc thing and he's not wrong he's like matt just wakes up in the morning looks at the mirrors is like stay humble stack sats stay humble stack sats i'm trying to remind myself <laughs> like guys stacking sats is the easy part staying humble is the hard part um we saw this week uh jerome powell the fed chair uh he was giving uh, speech right mm-hmm. and the stock market was pumping and then the stock market dropped and bitcoin went up right um yeah because he said that's pretty crazy like a, from a ma- like it's really becoming a macro asset like it's turning into this macro yeah, asset i think the comments he right made before per- us the comments the particular comments he made were about uh the budget deficit and if it stays uh, on the track that it is on now it's going to be unsustainable and i guess he didn't mention lowering rates right which the not mention hurt as well. Yeah. And it's actually funny. Arbed out pointed this out in the thread, uh, comparing Powell's um, comments earlier this week. He also mentioned um, cryptocurrencies, uh, particularly central bank currencies, um, central bank digital currencies in his speech. And so we have munching butts coming out and saying that we need to nip this in the butt because we can't let like anonymous and illicit transactions happening and then arbed out said contrast this with pal's comments a day earlier on chinese plans for a uh, stable coin a ledger where you know everybody's payments is not something that would be particularly attractive in the context of the u.s so we have more contradiction across uh u.s agencies and uh, banks or the central banking system and, and the government I, I think like an important part of growing up and becoming an adult is realizing that no one has any fucking clue what the fuck is going on. That is very true. Right? Yes. And everyone's kind of just making it up as they go along and pretending that they're not. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that was like a major realization for me. So once, once you realize that, um, it all makes a lot more sense. Like we have no idea what, what the plan is. No one has, like even the smartest people in the country, they have no idea well, what the plan they is. They might yet. not even be that smart. No, this is, I can't. But to- even the smartest people, that's what I'm saying. Like, no, I'm not saying that the smartest people in the country have, you know, positions of power. I'm just saying that even the smartest people have no idea what the next step is. Where, where, what direction do you take? Cause we've never been in this situation before. No. And, that's actually how I came to that realization. Holy shit, nobody knows what they're doing. Is when I worked in finance, particularly following the Fed and, and their policies. I was like, oh my God, these motherfuckers don't know what's going on. 
how the hell does this happen? That's when I that's when I dove headfirst into Bitcoin. Yeah, I think you be, it becomes really obvious if you're a Fed tea leaf watcher, right? <laughs> yeah, it comes blatantly obvious. Uh, more bullish news. We had Jack Mallers on. Uh, he came through the studio last week, dropped the episode on Tuesday. Bullish on Jack. Bullish on Jack. Uh, we talked about his app, uh, Strike, and uh, the path he took to building that and sort of the, the I think it's a really good episode if you want to know uh, the trade-offs that exist with uh, the Lightning Network and the services built on top of it. Uh, we're still figuring out the best way to use this. Um, uh, but with that being said, uh, Lightning Stripe allows you to connect your bank account bank account to the app and then pay lightning payments right away and then less than a week later uh iterative capital uh dropped the beta for a very similar app escher hub does the same exact thing Uh, i'm getting access to that beta uh hopefully tomorrow and we'll start testing it out and i did they uh iterative uh teased it with a a little demonstration video in which they um uh bought a, a gift card on fold and as somebody who's using fold and currently using a debit card because i don't want to spend sats uh to get sats back um you get more sats back if you do use lightning i believe so you do using uh something like escher or stripe where you're actually paying strike, yeah where you're paying strike yeah that's what i said where i think that's what i said i think you said stripe might have i got you no worries um so if you use these apps, you hook it up to your bank account and Fold just sees you're paying with Lightning, so you get more sets back, but you're really paying in fiat. Basically, you you change who does the payment processing, right? Because Fold's able to give you a better rate because they don't have to convert the fiat to Bitcoin. And and so, but if, if you're paying, it depends what your price and your fees are if you're paying on the Escher or the Strike side, right? Because you, th- that's that's the difference in the sets back is is fiat-based fees. Um, and like fiat to Bitcoin, you know, uh, spread and like how, uh, like how, what price you can buy that. They also demoed it, uh, with funding a, um, a breeze wallet invoice, um, which I, you know, I thought was also just basically any lightning invoice you can pay. Um, and I think with Escher, they're using Zelle uh, yes. as their integration, um, which I have still, I've never used Zelle. I've um, used Zelle, it works well. I don't think any of my banks support Zelle yet. I think Zelle is supported by Bank of America and Wells Fargo right now. But yeah, um, it's good to see just extending out the ecosystem and allowing people to that accept Bitcoin to support more um, users. Users that have never necessarily used Bitcoin can, can pay lightning invoices, which is a, a really fucking big deal, I think. Um, and just to reiterate, January of last year, I said that no exchanges were going to support Lightning, and um, at at a at a live show hosted by Iterative. And now Iterative uh, has Escher app, which allows you to <laughs> uh, seamlessly go from your bank account to Lightning. So, so uh, I was owned in the best way possible. <laughs> um, this looks cool. Cold Car releases a PSBT Faker tool. Oh, you got the acronym right. Yeah, I always do now. So yeah, been. so this is for testing purposes. You can fake a PSBT. Yeah. If you want to practice, to practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Practice, practice, practice. Um, that's actually what Lee said yesterday when we were talking is that uh, as somebody who considers herself not as technical as your uh, advanced Bitcoin user, she's become more comfortable over time as she's practiced, as she's received and sent more transactions. If you are out there and you're, 
you have your coins on an exchange, you're just nervous because you don't think you're technically competent enough to do this stuff, practice, practice, practice. It gets easier over time. I, I will I will be drilling that into people's heads uh, as much as I can because as somebody who was nervous uh, himself at one point too, again, the more you send, the more you receive, the more comfortable you get. Get your fucking hands dirty. And also there's only three spots left at the Citadel Workshop in San Francisco. Newsflash. During Bitcoin 2020. Newsflash. Um, Tor browser version 9.0.5 is out. Uh, so with this new release, what are we getting? I don't know. Just update. They updated Firefox. They updated a bunch of things. Just update your shit. Tor browser is great. Um, if you're using a Mac or Windows, it's like the most private you're going to get yeah, this, uh, on those platforms. So this it's really, a really good browser. This release updates Firefox to 6. 68.5.0 ESR, no script to 11.0.13, and on desktop tour to 0.4.2.6. Yeah, it's a maintenance release. And then they released uh, an update to Tails, which is a little bit bigger of a release for Bitcoiners because so Tails is the tour project's um, operating system. It's it, the idea is that you put Tails on a USB stick, you run it on a computer. It doesn't store anything on the computer when you pull the USB stick. It's not supposed to store anything on the computer. When you pull the USB stick, it wipes everything. Um, and it has Tor built in. And it has Electrum built in. So it was always a very user-friendly way to set up a pretty private cold storage wallet, um, especially if you never connected to the internet. But even if you connected to Tor, it would broadcast through Tor. You're, you are trusting Electrum servers, which are probably run by chain analysis companies, but at least they don't have your IP address. One of the issues was if you wanted to use a hardware wallet, you had to install the packages separately every time because Tails doesn't remember anything. You had to do it every time. Now they have the Trezor package built in. So you run Tails, you can just immediately connect your Trezor to it without connecting it to the internet or anything like that, which is pretty dope. Yeah, just a fantastic tool. Um, everyone should have just a USB drive with Tails on it just whenever they need it. Um, you know, Tor has a lot of trade-offs. Who knows if it's it's probably secure against everyone except the U.S. government. Maybe it's secure against the U.S. government. No one really knows. Um, but Tails is the easiest way to do it without shooting yourself in the foot uh, because it's just like everything is purpose-built to be as, as private as possible while still being relatively user-friendly. Like it's, um, you know, my, my grandma can't use it. My mom can't use it. But a lot of my peers who are not necessarily that technically proficient are able to use tails. So check it out. Get your hands dirty freaks. Get your hands dirty. This is actually uh, very uh, encouraging to see too. Uh, next release of Wasabi wallet will be signed with the proper Apple code sign. So you're not going to get that weird. Uh, this is untrusted application. Yeah, Immediately yeah. throw it out and move it to the trash. Yeah. Like, do, so, so this helps them with the virus scan things we were talking about supposedly. Um, but it also helps because not enough of you freaks are verifying your PGP signatures, which you should be doing. So at least that it will be signed through this Apple, you know, closed system bullshit. It's like a closed centralized system. Um, but at least it's some kind of check that's being done here. If you're not verifying with PGP, you should absolutely verify with PGP. And then also on top of that, it will, it won't scare people out of using, uh, the software. So it'd be nice if other Bitcoin projects could try and go this route. I understand a lot will be denied and Apple might crack down on say that you're not allowed to. Um, but if they're allowing Wasabi, then 
you know, maybe others that aren't currently being, um, you know, that aren't current part of the project. I think you have to pay a little bit for it. Really? It's like a hundred a year or something like that. Well, pay to play action. Um, but it's just good. It's good to have. Uh, so that's, it's really good to see. Yeah. And again, there's a little bit, uh, a little less fearful when you're downloading that software. Yeah. And, and it's just nice that it has the built in verification. Um, you should still verify through PGP. Um, if you're running a Mac, um, I think it's gpgtools.org is the easiest way to use PGP on a Mac. Um, don't be overwhelmed. It's not that difficult. Uh, if you have any issues, you can DM me. You got to stop moving your face like away from I keep mic. moving my face away from the mic, so I apologize to you guys for leaving you and coming back to you and leaving you and coming back to you. But GPG Tools, check it out. Very easy to use. Um, and verify your PGP signatures. Why do we ve- verify our PGP signatures? Because if Wasabi server that that gives you the download gets, or any other server, the server that gives you Bitcoin Core gets compromised, and someone puts a fake Bitcoin Core up there that takes your money, the only way to tell if it's been changed is verifying the PGP signature. So, so the person who uploaded... The file could still fuck you, but at least you know that it hasn't changed since the person uploaded the file. You know someone malicious hasn't. And we saw that with Monero, where someone malicious got onto Monero's website, switched the file. So if you downloaded it, you downloaded a malicious file. If you verified with PGP, you would know that it got changed. And someone did notice like a half an hour in because they verified it. Um, So the more people we have verifying it, it also gives like kind of a crowd immunity. Yes. I need to get more uh, more up on my PGP game. I got you. Let's do it. Let's have a Bitcoin day after we, the baby. We do need that. Um, another light news item here. Blockstream announced that uh, LBTC is now available on BISC. So if you want to jump on the Liquid Network and trade via BISC, uh, you can do that now. I actually, I mean, we talked about the BTC Pay integration. I said it was like kind of non-story. The combination of BTC Pay plus BISC is like kind of a nice one-two punch to try and make Liquid a little bit more censorship resistant. Um, It is still semi-custodial. It's not as censorship resistant as Bitcoin. But if you have BISC, you can pretty much, you know, I mean, BISC doesn't have great liquidity, and I doubt they have much liquidity for Liquid out of anything. But um, if, if if they do get some kinds of liquidity there, then you're able to move in um, and out without any KYC, um, which is like a prerequisite to try and make this censorship resistant. Um, and then with BTC Pay, you're able to receive, right? You're able to receive it without KYC. So yes, it's an interesting one-two punch. It's it's something to watch. I, I wonder if they're going to have a coin join implementation um, with Li- so so Liquid. Uh, we've said this in the past has confidential transactions, um, so that masks the amount. It doesn't ima- and it, and masks the the, the asset. asset type, so you yeah. could be sending like Bitsy shitty exchange token, or you could be sending LBTC. No one knows w- whether or not you're sending which or the amount, but they know sender and receiver. So you really get the privacy gains if you mix that with a coin join um, afterwards when you get yeah, out during of it. Yeah, you like mix that with a coin join. So it should be interesting to see if they implement some kind of coin join implementation. Um, just something to be aware of and keep an eye on. Uh, I don't really have like any day-to-day usage of Liquid, but I did try it with SideShift.ai and Green Wallet, and the, you know, 
side shift is completely centralized, but they don't do KYC and it's relatively seamless experience. Yeah, I've never I haven't tried out Liquid yet either. Yeah. Um you should try it with Green Wallet and Side Shift. Just check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll check it out this week. Bitcoin Saturdays. Uh another Interesting news item. We want to keep you guys abreast of this. We've been talking about BIP Taproot, which recently got broken up into three BIPs, BIP 340 through 342. Uh, uh, Brian Bishop at Kanzure, K-A-N-Z-U-R-E on Twitter, announced Sunday afternoon that uh, a group of anonymous, quote-unquote group of anonymous devs, uh, was relaying a message through him to the Bitcoin mailing list uh, with critiques of these BIPs, BIP Taproot particularly, um, and, uh, the main claim, this is from Lucas Nuzzi at Lucas Nuzzi on Twitter. He, uh, so the main claim that this anon group of developers is making is it would be safer to implement mass, which is Merkleized abstract syntax trees, uh, the technology that enables taproot as a standalone BIP, uh, as opposed to mass plus schnorr equals taproot, albeit simpler. Uh, he, Lucas isn't convinced that's a good approach and, uh, I believe Matt Corallo and Instagibs uh, also came out publicly and on my radar and said they weren't convinced by the uh, critiques either. It does seem like it's a pretty big mass shill, um, but uh, I just want you guys to know mass that. Mass shill? Mast shill. Oh, mast shill, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to let you guys know this critique is out there. It's good to see critiques in general. Yes, it is. Um, I don't really know enough to discuss the actual critique, but it's good to see critiques. We've talked about this on the pod that we want to see more critiques. Um, I think someone was uh, fudding it, saying that it could be a chain analysis. Did I you see that? I did not see that. Um, <clears throat> but well, since we can't explain it, I'll read uh, why Lucas thinks that the critiques are unwarranted, or not unwarranted, but... Uh, aren't that good it's mostly a complexity thing right yeah one of the biggest benefits of taproot is that it makes the outputs in a transaction indistinguishable from each other that necessarily requires schnorr's key aggregation within the tree and would be tricky to implement if both were to be separated i get the point on complexity and audibility that the anon group is bringing up but to be frank there's a lot about taproot that i still don't understand what i have seen is that the current implementation path for these bips has already been simplified considerably even for dummies like me, within the initial scope of Schnorr, for example, was cross-input excuse me, cross input aggregation, which is a way to aggregate all inputs in a transaction into a single one. Huge potential, especially for coin joins, but also very complex. For this reason, the current implementation is much simpler with Musig. Uh, what Peter Willa and others discovered while researching Schnorr was that cross-input aggregation could be implemented via a generalized version of Taproot, Groot. Uh, which is yet another reason why mass can be an incredibly useful technology if combined with Schnorr. Uh, Lucas isn't convinced that the risk of splitting mass and Schnorr outweighs the potential benefits of both technologies combined, especially when it comes to privacy. Having said that, the point on the need for more thorough technical feedback on these BIPs still stands. Uh, the more feedback, the better, the more clarity that comes out of it. Uh, it's uh, even if these questions are sh- or these concerns are shot down, more clarity comes out of the stuff. I, I mean, I have two two quick comments. I mean, the first thing is I fucking love um, that Bitcoiners are so ethical and the imposter syndrome is so real that we all consider ourselves dummies along the whole level of Bitcoin understanding. And it's just a bunch of dumbasses running the whole network because we're all. Um, a lot of people are, the majority of people are very humble about it, and I, I really respect that. 
Um, like Lucas called himself a dummy there. Like he's not a dummy. Right. Um, and the, the other thing is it really goes to show, I think how great Bitcoin's bit process is evolved to this point where we could have, you know, people say, you know, I've disagreed. I mean, me personally, I've disagreed with so many things that Pomp has said, so many things that other like crypto influencers have said. And then people come and they go with the complaint. Why? Why do these people that are that are like targeting the lowest common denominator have an oversized voice in the community? But meanwhile, we have people who are just completely anonymous, a group of people or one person just submits this to the to the mailing list, right? And it gets real responses. It gets real thought and real responses put towards it. This is just completely anonymous though, right? Um, mm-hmm. So like it's literally the exact opposite of saying that like a crypto influencer has um, oversized influence on actual real Bitcoin things, right? No, I, I completely agree. Really and great to see. Very good to see. And yeah, we need to be as critical as possible. Again, I think this is an imperative uh, technology and we should treat it as such and that means uh, scouring for any potential uh, hiccups and any upgrades that we have going forward um, so yeah this is out there uh, be aware of it and do more research into into taproot and and what it can uh, enable and uh, yeah I just thought uh, just to put my two sats in there after the the vigorous review process that involved hundreds of people found it a little weird that this was coming out after that like how come up this wasn't brought up during the review process well, the reason the chain analysis uh fud was circulating was because it seemed like the person who responded wasn't aware of the privacy benefits of having them incre- uh, combined yeah um it- so 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 it seems unlikely that they wouldn't be aware of it so maybe they're just disregarding that aspect because they're really trying to torpedo <coughs> it was the reason but you know like look Everyone should try and steel man the shit out of fucking Taproot. Steel man it. But before we implement it, it's best that everyone tries to fucking steel man it. I yeah. want I want as much as possible, as much critique as possible. Yes. Um, more critique, the better. Uh, speaking of chain analysis, uh, Coindesk dropped a story, uh, basically broke down uh, the government agencies that are paying for chain analysis. Chain analysis works for us. We pay for chain analysis. <laughs> I helped pay for chain analysis through my tax dollars. Was it over $10 million they've received over the last four years? From the IRS alone. I thought that was from everyone. That's just the IRS? Oh, no, no, no. Two, well, no, yeah, just the IRS since 20... I thought that was the cumulative number. Well, in 2018, the IRS paid $3.3 million. Oof. It might be cumulative. It is cumulative. You're right. I'm All not. the agencies over all four years is like $10 million, but it's escalating. They're paying more and more. Every year, they're spending more and more money on this shit. Um, and they're aware, you know? And if they don't understand Bitcoin, they pay chain analysis to understand it for them. And they have this little tool. It's, they call it Reactor. And they get to see, they get to click buttons and see the flow of the Bitcoin transactions. If you're working at chain analysis or any of these other chain analysis comp chain analysis like talk about like confusing there's a company chain analysis which does chain analysis <laughs> it's there's a good a, name now there's others like elliptic if you're working for these companies and listening to these podcasts what the fuck are you doing like do you care about liberty in the digital age are you trying to fuck over your fellow humans let's think about that you know the money they like the money yeah i uh 
that that's why I think you know fuck fuck appealing to ethics, appealing to morality. Like we need to have the tools in place to to render their business obsolete. That's the only real Bitcoin way to solve this. That's the only real uh, solution here. Um, but it is extremely frustrating to see our tax dollars being spent on on this kind of surveillance technology. Um, but but people have to realize like every single Bitcoin transaction you send is recorded on a ledger forever. Like we're all bullish on Bitcoin here. We think the Bitcoin blockchain is going to last forever. All of your transactions on this chain for fucking ever. You submit KYC docs, the Chinese will get those KYC docs. Keep that in mind. They will see all your past and future transactions. If you do not educate yourself on Bitcoin privacy, then people you don't want to know all of your past, future transactions, your net worth, your salary, everything will be able to see that. And you have to take it into your own hands. Are we LARPing here? Like, is, no. Bi- is Bitcoin sufficient enough? We're half LARPing because we're very public Bitcoiners. So we could potentially get very fucked here. <laughs> and I'm aware of that, freaks. I know, I know that we could get fucked here. I do not want to go to jail for 30 years. I am a patriot. I love this country. I wish this country went in a better direction. I think we can push this country in a better direction. It's important. But it's also important that you take your rights into your own hands, that you realize privacy isn't fucking criminal. Um, And the first step there is to educate yourself. 6102 Bitcoin, our buddy on Twitter, um, has a a website that that lists very good privacy resources. I I obviously have a vanity domain that connects to that's btcprivacy.org. btcprivacy.org, educate yourself and and stand up. Are you confident that Bitcoin's privacy will get better throughout time? I am, no. No. I am cautiously bullish, as we said last. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Lightning specifically has made me way more optimistic than I was before. Um, and the privacy benefits that could potentially come from Lightning. But I think that people cannot get complacent. This is the most uh, important issue here in terms of Bitcoin succeeding. I mean, I, I think Bitcoin's value prop fails if every single Bitcoin holder gets is, is easily identified and and attacked basically right yeah no i i agree i agree wholeheartedly that's what i mentioned in the ben today too like i see this is also a product of the era of bitcoin in which we live in where we're highly dependent on these centralized services that take kyc aml like as we move closer to a closed loop bitcoin economy uh i think this stuff will get better as well yeah Um, but the closed loop is far away right it is far away yes we need solutions here now for the people that will inevitably go through kyc bitcoiners like to talk a big game about being anti-kyc i fucking hate kyc i use i use cash app right i use a kyc service i try and limit my kyc exposure but i have to use a kyc service i think the majority of people listening to this podcast right now are buying their Bitcoin, they're stacking their sats through a KYC service. Even though we all hate KYC and we talk big games on Twitter, the majority of us are doing that. So we need to have solutions in place where people that are using KYC services can lessen their privacy burden. And that's why I'm really supportive of things like BTC Pay, Wasabi, and, and Whirlpool, and Samurai, just Samurai in general. It's it's very important. It's 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 the most and join market. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I don't mention join market enough. I think it could be more user friendly. We're thinking about starting some bounty programs uh, in that regard. But I I 
all of these services any and lightning you know all these services that help with privacy all these tools that help with privacy all these projects that help with privacy it's super important it is it is probably the most important aspect of bitcoin right now perfect segue into the next topic which is uh pay swap on lightning um our z-man our, our z-man our beast uh if we had val dev. here if we had val here she could tell us the exact z the exact i'm name. gonna try and do z m n s c p no i think you missed a j oh did i isn't there a j in there i don't know z no i got it right z m n s c p x j uh the j was late okay freaks you decide if we give it to him or not i don't know i don't know better but Z-Man, Z-Man proposed this. I, it was his initial, uh, we talked about PageSwap, which is on-chain. PageSwap was inspired by this. The idea is that you, you send a self-payment through Lightning, and then one of your routing fees to one of the nodes that routes to you uh, is actually the payment. So it's the payment's going along, it gets back to you, but on the way it pays a routing fee to, to someone who is, that's the actual payment. Yeah, so it's a self-payment, and uh, if there is a drawback to this, it's just it may be a little bit more expensive because you're making more hops that you have to pay fees along the way. Um, but it does seem like uh, it could help with privacy. Uh, Aaron Van Weirdum, the great Aaron Van Weirdum, oh, I love Aaron. wrote uh, wrote a, a piece on on this particular proposal so if you guys want to go check that out we are definitely going to be linking that in the show notes oh all right what what is this coronavirus close contact app did you not see this no so the chinese government is leveraging their surveillance state to create this close contact app you put in your government id number and it uses the surveillance of you and the surveillance of known infected people to tell you if you've been in close contact with those people. So it uses the surveillance on both sides and they sell it to you as a benefit. Um, but it's only possible because they track every single one of their citizens way too fucking much. That's scary. Scary um, as fuck. And uh, another topic I talked about with Lee yesterday uh, I officially am not going to be talking about the coronavirus on Twitter anymore because I'm so fucking confused. I have no idea what's going on. I've had people in China uh, and around China reach out to me and say uh, some of the stuff I've been posting on Twitter is a bit alarmist and uh, probably shouldn't be. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I appreciate that as well. I think I've... uh reached out to you a little bit about it because because the problem is we can't verify any of this fucking information. Um I, you know, this is like really one of the first times where you see uh, on social media the inability to verify video specifically. There's a lot of video that's been coming out that we're, we're not really sure where it's coming from, what it's showing. Um, and, and this is before we've, we're, we haven't even hit the deep fake era yet, guys. Like we're about to hit the deep fake era. But right now we're in the, the era where you can post a video, you can post an alarmist claim with it, and no one really knows what the fuck is going on. Um, and as Bitcoiners, we're not supposed to trust. We're supposed to verify, and it's just really hard to verify. I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to try and be better. Hand up. Hand up. I could be better. All right. Um, and this is actually pretty fucked up. I'm talking about the government spying on you and backdooring shit. The CIO, CIO, the CIA uh, owned an encryption company that was purported to be private uh, that was facilitating global uh, For like 70 years or something insane yeah they, they had a front company that was selling 
encryption uh, technology to other governments around the world. They were like the leading company. Yeah. Backdoor. They had a backdoor. They could read everything. Yeah. Crypto AG. Um, and they sold all their assets in 2018. Um, so it was operating from like after World War II uh, in partnership with the West German government, which if you're a part of our generation, hasn't existed in our lifetime. Um, but they partnered with them and they sold this encryption technology starting from physical encryption all the way to chips in modern day encryption to governments. Um, not the two major adversaries, not to China and Russia, because they understand and do their own in-house stuff. Um, but Latin America to pretty much every other government. Yeah. And they were just tracking everything. And this is why it's so ironic that the U.S. government is scared about Huawei uh, having 5G access everywhere, which I am also scared about Huawei because they are definitely going to track everything and have back doors to track everything. Um, the U.S. government knows that because we do that to everybody else, right? Yeah. And we've been doing that to them for decades. It's all fucked. There's no such thing as a secure back door. You have a back door if... If, if we can access this back door, then other, other nation states, other malicious individuals, entities can then also access that back door um, and everyone is less secure for it. You can't secure the majority of people um, if, if you choose, if, if you're able to surveil everyone, the majority of people will never be safe. And so you have to prioritize the majority of people over um, your will to have control over a, a small minority. Yeah, and this is why open source is probably the best way forward as, as well. Yeah, pro probably. Absolutely, without a doubt, the only way forward is free open source software. You have to be able to read the code. You have to be able to verify it for yourself. Um, because there's just, too much, there's just too much history here. We can't just forget all the fucking history. Anything that's closed source is backdoored. You should just assume that. Like, maybe it's not, but you should fucking assume it. Yep. Uh, let's end on a good note here. Really cool markets being launched uh, by FTX, U.S. election futures. Oh, we actually have to end on a bad note if you're going to go with there. But yeah, FTX is great. Why is that a bad note? No, this is great because you missed a bad note. What? Uh, Yandex? Yeah, did you see that? No. Let's just jump back to Yandex. Before we get note. to the elections. Yandex is Russian Google. Mm-hmm. If you submit oh, a selfie of this. yourself that's never been on the internet before, nine times out of ten, it will pull up your information. Yeah, so Eric Wall at ERCWL on Twitter, uh, cryptocurrency researcher. I like Eric. And uh, so he, he basically tested out Yandex and did a Google reverse image search versus Yandex facial recognition search. And uh, he inputted a Snapchat pic of his and Google pretty much didn't bring up anything because google doesn't do it ethically for they they don't do it for pr and ethical reasons they hold their technology back and they just say like oh a gentleman's in this picture yes but uh, yandex doesn't have that reserve and they yandex which is probably has worse technology than google let's be honest it's russian google um they just pull up right away eric wall yeah they links to his coindesk articles bitcoin.com articles links to his twitter tweets uh so he, he makes the point like i guess he'll never be able to go on a dating app without giving away his full name social media home address and let's stuff be like honest that. eric you in your dating app you definitely say like you're a cryptocurrency analyst <laughs> no but um whatever you guys do do not upload your selfie to yandex <laughs> like to test it out don't do it Try you know, if you have to do it, like, if you have a friend that you don't really like and they have, like, a closed Facebook profile, well, you should delete your Facebook. But let's say you still have your Facebook 
and you see them post a picture, upload their picture. See if their name comes up. Don't you do know? that. Don't be a dick. Don't upload your own picture. <laughs> and then delete your Facebook. Like you shouldn't have a Facebook. But don't upload your own picture because then Yandex has it and they have it connected to an IP address, which you probably shouldn't do. So just be careful about that. Yeah. Now let's turn to the positive news. Futures futures markets for presidential candidates here in the in the states. This will be the most accurate way to tell who's going to win this election. I avoid all politics. The freaks know I don't like talking about politics. This is if if you want to avoid the noise, you want to see who's winning, you check the FTX markets. Uh, and the reason is because they have a non-KY technically the majority of the world is not allowed to participate in FTX markets. Uh, they have the you know, the verbiage, the wording there that says you're not allowed to, but they do have a non-KYC uh, threshold where you're, you're able to uh, withdraw up to 2K a, a day if you have no KYC. So theoretically, they're never going to say this, but anyone in the world can access it if they have a VPN. Um, and I think it will become quickly the most liquid prediction market in the world. It will become more accurate than polls. Uh, this is what Augur was supposed to fix, but Augur is way too complicated and is not decentralized in the right ways you know it 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 attempts to be but it's just it's still centrally controlled and but not in the way that makes it easy to use you know so like this is like bitmex well that's ftx is a competitor but it's like bitmex for elections right yeah i mean highlights that maybe sometimes these centralized services are better for these types of markets if they're able to evade uh getting shut down so right now according to this futures market uh, Trump has about a 64.5% chance of winning the election in November. Yeah, so it's not um, great for the operator. The operator is always at risk. FTX is always at risk. The users that has takes custodial risk, you know, what is it, FTX does shotgun KYC. They could, they haven't, but they could. Um, they, you have all these issues, but from a user-friendly perspective, uh, it. Once you have uncensored, you know, hard to censor money, censorship resistant money, like we could have bucket shops around the world that offer these kind of trading options, right? Yeah. Um, and you have VPNs, you have Tor, and all of a sudden, you know, um, it's, opened, it's opened up globally. Uh, and when you have real skin in the game, the beauty of prediction markets in general is when you have real skin in the game, you see more accurate results. You know, we saw this with Trump last election where people won't answer polls uh, accurately because they didn't want to be labeled as a Trump supporter. Um, but when you have skin in the game, you're just trying to make money. Uh, <laughs> you're going to answer exactly accurately, like how you think, right? Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, so this contract will expire, uh, I guess when the election results are in and the way it works is, uh, a futures contract, uh, expires to $1 if Trump wins the, the U.S. election. Uh, so right now it's trading at about 64 and a half cents. And Bloomberg's been pumping, man. Did you see what he did? Bloomberg Is Bloomberg going to start all season? The Bloomberg... Where, <laughs> where is Bloomberg? Uh, I can't find him on here. Bloomberg is currently trading. I have it open right now. Bloomberg is currently trading at 10.5%. And it opened at like 7%. Yeah. Um, All of them refer to win the election. So on the Democratic side, there's five Democratic candidates. They do all the top candidates, the top six candidates. Um, they're, they're all discounted uh, because they also have to win. They, not only do they have to win the primary, they also have to win the general, right? Yes. Um, and but it's very simple. It finishes if they win, it finishes at $1. If they lose, it finishes at $0. And 
in classic shitcoin casino fashion. FTX allows you to do like a hundred X leverage on those <laughs> as well, which I you should not do, you know. Um, but um Yeah, no. Have you seen Bloomberg's like funny. L- latest uh the influencer strategy? Yeah. Did he reach out to you? Not yet. I'm like I'm waiting for my million dollar cash out uh from Is that uh, what they're paying them? No, I don't I don't know. Freaks, I will never sell any of my tweet space or any of my Neither will I. But yeah, no, I think I've been actually pretty repulsed by all these influencers like posting these screenshots. It's obviously an intern interacting with. Yeah, them. and then like they post underneath like, "Oh, paid for by Bloomberg," but no one knows if that's like sincere or if it's a joke. So most people don't think of it as a disclosure. Yeah, but they have technically been disclosing it. Whatever you can't like manufacture memes like that's what the Ethereum guys tried to do. Like you can't you can't do that. Like no. memes are organic. They just they just. Get, they, they get born. The people that create them don't even know they're creating them when they get created. Exactly. You know? They're emerging. That, that's the true memes. If you see people out there uh, uh, putting out contracts for memes, mark them as an idiot. That's not how memes are created. I think we would be mistaken to not mention that. Talking to the mic. I apologize, freaks. Um, like, we should probably mention that it does feel like the 2017 chaos of alts and stuff is about to oh yeah come back in full full storm as much as we like uh we'd like uh these alts to die out because most of or all of them in my opinion don't have a lot of merit to them uh it's just inevitable it's this nature of these open source protocols and we can spin them up if exchanges are going to offer uh, the trading of them on their exchange, uh, people are going to trade them, and it seems that alt season is is starting. And the the proof of stake pump that we've been talking about for a while here, um, where exchanges are incentivized to pump proof of stake chains, yeah, because it gives them more control, influence, and revenue, um, has also been the case. I, I think Brave New Coin, uh, Josh uh, Carpe Noctum on Twitter, um, posted Josh Auschwitz. Yeah. Carpe Noctum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he posted that what eighteen percent of all Tezos are on are on exchanges right now. Yes, uh, staking through exchanges on exchanges in custodial wallets. So exchanges have a, a have a, a direct benefit to shill you these proof of stake chains. Yes, keep in mind that altcoins, especially these super liquid shit coins, will will pump bigger than Bitcoin in this next cycle for short periods of times, and then they will dump bigger than Bitcoin. Um, that is a loser's game, in my opinion. All of these chains are trending to zero in Bitcoin terms long term. I think fucking real estate and stocks are trending to zero in Bitcoin terms. I think gold is trending to zero. I think everything is, but especially these altcoins. So, you know, if you want to touch the fire, touch the stove and get burnt, by all means, fucking do it. But from my experience, the overwhelming majority of people will have more money at the end of the day if they just fucking stay humble and stack sats and don't fuck with that shit. I agree. And this is <clears throat> part of the reason why we have Cash App as a sponsor. They don't confuse retail with a bunch of tokens. Uh, it's only possible to buy Bitcoin there. Uh, hopefully it stays that way. If it ever changes, we probably will uh, rethink our partnership with them. Um, but uh, Doge Toshi. Uh, our boy Doge Toshi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from the block, he pointed out, uh, it's pretty crazy, actually. During the 2017 run-up on Coinbase, 
users had four options. They could buy, and they only had really three for most of the year. Um, they could buy Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, or Litecoin. And now that's increased to four, five, six, seven, eight, so nine, many. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 fucked up six x so they have six x the the confusion and the options to pick from when they and go they to the pick app like the shittiest of shit it's well, like the shittiest. well this is a good time to remind people of unit bias right yeah. so a lot of people that's the standard uh, sats are the standard but <laughs> uh unit bias a lot of people will go on coinbase and they'll see something trading at below a dollar like xerox xerox trades at like seven cents or something yes and they'll think that's a cheap uh, coin to buy that will have uh, a potential to reach Bitcoin's level. Why am I going to buy Bitcoin at $10,000 when I could buy 0x at fucking 7 cents? Maybe it'll hit $10,000 one day. Exactly. You know? It's the fucking unit bias bullshit. Yeah. That's why every single altcoin has a larger supply than Bitcoin. Well, not, I've spoken absolute. 99% of, of altcoins have a larger supply than Bitcoin because of that fucking unit bias. Yes. So this is why Ripple, a bunch of people pump Ripple. And they're like, Ripple's going to get to hundreds of dollars one day, not realizing that that would be a uh, decatrillion dollar market, which yeah, is highly unlikely. Well, un- sats unlikely. are cheaper than XRP. Yes. Um, sats is standard. <laughs> um, that was a long rip. We're almost an hour and a half in. Are we riffing on anything? You know, we've been riffing for a fucking hour and a half. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode. This was a very good episode. I really enjoyed this fucking Mictors is what I really enjoyed. So I, I appreciate that Marty let me drink at 1 p.m. <laughs> I mean, hey, teach their own, man. It's your body, your choice. Um, yeah, my balls are hanging out of my pants. They ripped as soon as I hit. Reco- hit uh, oh, I have something. All right, here we go. That I wrote down. Do we want to talk about J.P. Morgan and consensus? Oh, my God. Well, let's talk about consensus last week. <clears throat> announced another round of layoffs as they're trying to raise another round, I believe 200 million this time around. Uh, but they, I believe they laid off like 16% of their workforce or something like that. And then <clears throat> uh, the block was reporting and CoinDesk was reporting earlier this week that JP Morgan is thinking about selling their quorum uh, blockchain unit to consensus. That's their private yeah. um, corporate blockchain yeah. centralized bullshit. Yeah. Right? Hey, the banks are using Ethereum, man. Is that bullish? Is that, if, if we're looking for a banker's chain, isn't that supposed to be Ripple? They own MoneyGram. <laughs> yes, to be aware. Um, again, that's... It's it, garbage news. It doesn't matter, ooh. right? It's bullshit. It doesn't... It's In the scheme of things, it's complete non-story that doesn't fucking matter, right? Exactly. But uh, again, like so think about consensus. Like There are a VC... Um, bucket shop for focused on ethereum and bitcoin doesn't really have anything like that and alex bosworth actually made a, a good point on twitter earlier this week is that bitcoin strategy to, f- to defeat its competition is to wage a long war of attrition centralized governances will eventually die due to secession issues and corruption people will give into temptations to hyperinflate marketing funds will run dry and bitcoin will still be here so just keep that in mind, freaks. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love. If you don't like that, Picard, too bad. <laughs>